Well, hello, friends. All right. Today, we have an amazing person on the podcast. That is Jermaine Chatham. Excuse me, Jermaine, if I actually butchered your last name. But Jermaine is this awesome person. He is a minimalist. He's also an entrepreneur who is now, you know, chilling over there in Malaysia, relaxing, you know, on his downtime and making lots of money and residual income. And we're going to talk about how he did it and how, you know, he grew up and, and how that may reflect any of you guys out there and ladies and uh, everyone else in the audience, uh, you know, how that may reflect you guys. Maybe you guys can learn something really cool. But uh, also, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel and uh, click the bell. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, thank you in advance. And I do it for you guys and ladies and gentlemen and everyone else. Thank you for tuning in. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, the Kids in the Room podcast. The Kids in the Room podcast. That's right. That's right. Brought to you by Move Faces TV. All right, all right, all right, all right. Hey, guys. Today, we've got Jermaine in the show today. So, uh, Jermaine, w- what's going on, man? Not much, man. Just uh, hanging out, enjoying the day, enjoying the weather, and just uh, kind of relaxing, man. Just getting some stuff buttoned up on the accounting side and just getting the business up and running and keeping things moving. That's all. All right. The accounting side. So, so what's, can you tell me what, what, what you kind of do and what you're kind of working on? Um, so, you know, I'm a, a entrepreneur. I basically travel around the world for t- full time. So what we do specifically is, you know, back in the States, there's a lot of you know businesses that need capital to buy equipment for their operations so they can run. So, you know, think a doctor's office that needs ultrasound. They don't want to share a lot to $50,000. They'd rather pay 500 bucks a month. So that's where we come into play is we give them the loans so they can buy the equipment they need to run their practices. So that's what we do um, as our business. And um, so the beautiful part about that business model is I can do it anywhere in the world because I have a laptop and a cell phone. That's all I need. Awesome. So basically what you do is you, you help you help supply medical equipment or loans? Loans for, for equipment, for, for businesses. So any business out there in the States that needs equipment to run, we can supply the loans for them. Cool. How long have you been doing this? Uh, so like 18 years. Um, so I'm pretty, pretty seasoned, yeah. It's a great business because it doesn't go away. It's recession proof. It's great. It sounds like it. So where are you at right now? You're in where? Where Singapore? You said. So I'm just outside of Singapore. I'm in Malaysia. So the Singapore skyline's right over there. But um, yeah, I've been in Malaysia since um, I guess since lockdown. Really, I was in Hong Kong and then I was in um, uh, Thailand for a few months and then. And then headed over to Malaysia. I expected to be here a weekend, and then it turns to a month, and now it's turned into a year. So it's all good. I mean, it's never bad to stay out there in Malay. So yeah, it's pretty awesome, man. So um, right now you're working remotely. You you ended up staying out there, and like, I guess like how do how do how did you kind of start out? You know, getting involved with this. Like, how did how, can you tell me a little bit about your path? Um, as far as the travel, as far as the business, or what do you mean? As far as the business, like how did you start? Okay, yeah. It was really luck, man. I, I thought I was going to be more like a cubicle kind of guy, um, crunching numbers, because I really come with an introvert. In, in my, I thought I was an introvert, at least. Um, and I thought that's what was going to be my destiny. So I, I originally took a job at Wells Fargo, thinking I'd be just kind of crunching numbers in the back and um, kind of an order taker, if you will. But I ended up, my true nature really came out and I started to ask for a raise before I took the job offer and they didn't like that. So they rescinded the offer and basically told me to kick rocks. So then I had no job. 
So I kind of had to scramble. Like I, I was about to graduate. I was like, man, I need to find a job. So uh, the only place I could find a job where was a sales job. And, uh, you know, I was making 300 cold calls a day, but, you know, I kind of had to defy the narrative, like that I wasn't, um, a good communicator that I wasn't, um, uh, people wouldn't like me. People wouldn't accept me. I had to break out of the shell of trying to think I was going to be in a cubicle, but really I figured out that I'm really a go-getter. I'm a people person. I'm, I make things happen. Hence why I asked for the raise. Um, I just don't take things as is. And so, you know, I was making 300 cold calls a day and it was hard, but I cut my teeth and I was able to find success. But then I, I figured out like, I can't keep exchanging my time for money. And, you know, you're making 300 cold calls, you're spending 12 hours cold calling. So I figured out a better model um, where I could use other people's networks and use leverage so I could get 90% of my time back. How did you, how and did you, at, how did you just, how did you come up with that? Like, how did that start? Um, so what I ended up doing was everyone else in this industry was chasing the people that needed the loans. And I realized, well, on every loan that we do, there is an equipment vendor that's selling the equipment to the, to the end user. So why would I chase around the end users when I could just partner and develop relationships with the sellers? Because they have a network of hundreds of thousands of customers they work with. Let them do the selling for me. So that's what I ended up doing. I just partner with the people that sell the equipment. So if they sell the ultrasound machine or the, the trucks or whatever it is, I just partner with them. They do the selling for me and bring me all the deals. It's great. Wow. Sounds like an, an all, um, all one solution, man. So you, you pretty much found your own unique type of like, you know, hole within this actual, you know, business model. And then you kind of leveraged that. And then, uh, were you making money immediately? Like, how did that, how did that happen? Were you, were, were you profitable off the gate? Well, yeah, I mean, but I was doing the 300 cold calls. It works, but it's not sustainable. Um, so within the first three months, yeah, I was making, you know, five figures a month easily, but it, again, it's not sustainable because you're trading your time for money. So then when I flipped this model, you know, I was able to, you know, three X the type of money I was making, but for like half the time I was spending. So, um, and then about six years ago, I ventured out on my own, started my own firm. And so that's when really the travel kicked up because now I have complete autonomy of my time. I, there's no boss, there's no office. I have an office back home, but I don't have to be there. So, um, you know, it's just, it's just kind of gave me total freedom. And that's like my number one thing is freedom. Awesome. And, and where's back home again? Uh, well, Scottsdale, Scottsdale, Arizona. Right. Cool. Scottsdale, Arizona. You were raised there or? Uh, I was born. Yeah, I was born in Arizona for sure. Wow. So you're raised in Arizona. Now you decided to pick up a business, you know, and, you know, build that enough to where you start traveling around the world to where you're actually working remote now. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah exactly. And how, how I don't know if you mind, like, how old are you right now? So I'm 40. You're 40. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. That's still, that's great for 40. Most people never even travel yeah. anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the funny, and the funny thing about it, man, I've been living this lifestyle for such a long time. Even when I was an employee, I mean, uh, I would, I would, I would just always use leverage to have free time. So like, I would only be at the office for a couple hours a day. So, um, I've always felt like freedom's like the number one thing that I need personally for like, not only like, freedom of my time, but freedom of money, freedom of my, even my mindset, some of my negative beliefs. So, um, I've been lucky that I've kind of had this unique mindset, but you're also talking about more about, uh, financial freedom, right? Oh yeah, for sure. That's part of the freedom. Yeah. 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 So financial freedom. And now you've, and, and how long did it take for you to start, you know, uh, getting to the point to where you were financially free, where the business model started being automated. So as far financial freedom is a, is an individual thing. So, you know, some people can be financially free at 50 grand, 
some people can be financially free at five million. It just it's up to the individual. So as far as uh, I, I mean, I was always making a lot more money than I ever spent, and like that's always kind of my suggestion to anybody is like make sure you're making so much money that you really can't spend it because that's that's how you end up being financially free. It's really simple. How much money do you make versus how much money do you spend? And so um, as far as the the business model, I mean, it's always been perpetually building. Even when I was an employee, you know, I'd, I'd be making, you know, fifty, sixty thousand dollars a month. But my overhead, at, I would spend, I don't know, five, six. So it's like I was financially free even back then. But I wanted freedom of my time and my autonomy. And even at that point, when I was an employee, I was still splitting the profits. You know, so I don't want to split profits. I want 100 percent to be me because that's, again, about autonomy. And so um, I. I, I mean, I've been financially free for quite a, quite a while, um, but as far as the the business model being on autopilot, I really had to get a Trump tight when I started traveling because I only have a sliver of time available for me to work on deals back in the states. So I had to use a lot of automation to make that way way easier. So again, I, I want to go surfing. I want to go on walks. I want to read books. I want to chill. Um, I don't want to work all day. I want to work for a couple hours, get things done, but then I want to kick my feet up. So that's kind of how the way I put together my my program and this my uh, system. Cool. And so, is this program like available for others? Are you like packaging this, or is this something like like? Could you give me more details than that? Well, yeah. Like since I started traveling so much, I started thinking like I can't keep this like niche industry a secret, and especially the way we flipped it and leveraged it. So about a year ago, we started putting together. Um, and you said a blueprint. You said we. Who's who's yeah. we? Yeah, so me and my partner, she um, she started in the business, I don't know, about five, six years ago. And she um, was working for uh, government, and she has no sales background or anything. So she got involved, and she's really a system person, but at first she got involved in sales. And she has no sales background, and she was making five figures a month. So like we started thinking to ourselves, if she can do it, and we can leverage this and fly all over the world and do what we want, anyone can do this. Um, and so we started putting together a, a, like a blueprint. and. Uh, a step-by-step, step-by-step like guide, if you will, to hold your hand through this process of, you know, how we do it, when we do it, what we say, scripts, all that stuff, and really crossing all the T's and dotting all the I's. So, um, so now we offer it to people that you know want to learn this model and and hopefully they can implement it and do the work because you got to be hungry, you got to do the work. But I mean, sky's the limit as far as you know freedom you can achieve. So what is the work? What does that entail? Like, what kind of work are we talking about? Yeah, you're talking about, you know, it's, it's, it's a sales role at the end of the day. So you have to talk to people. You have to find people. You have to network with people. You have to be a human. Sales is all about being a human. Just talk to people. Have open conversations. Be direct. Don't beat around the bush. Like, I can't stand when people are trying to pitch me on, like, gimmicks or this, like, sticky stuff. You know what I mean? Where you get some email that's all this copy and it's, you know, three pages long. It's like... Just tell me what you do and what you're what you're looking for, <laughs> right. like simplicity. So we really use simplicity, minimalism, and uh, leverage. And um, so as far as the work, it's just you know working, like talking to people, getting things done. Um, so that's really what the work is. But you know, as far as anything that's worthwhile, it takes time and effort, especially uh, when it comes to financial stuff. Right. Totally. Yeah, man. So. Right now, you've you've got this program out, and like like how how are you guys getting it out? Like, what type of marketing are you guys doing to get this 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 message out for this program? The same exact marketing I use for my business, um, uh, LinkedIn. So just direct messaging people on LinkedIn, um, finding out, connecting with them, obviously finding out if they're interested in what what we do, like how 
Are you looking to leverage equipment financing in your business, something you're interested in? And as soon as someone says yes, then I send them to um, our, our training so they can kind of learn a little bit more about our unique approach. And then if that's something they're interested in, they hop on a call with uh, me and Renee. Uh, we talk to them, see if they're a good fit because we're not, we don't want to deal with people that aren't a good fit because we're going to do weekly coaching calls. And, you know, I want to like the people I'm working with. That's the name of the game. And I want to make sure you'll be successful. I don't want to sell you something that I don't think you'll be successful in. Um, and then from there, if they want to move forward, they can get on the program, take the course. Um, it's like 12 weeks of uh, different um, modules. And then obviously the weekly coaching, the community, access to our lenders. So, yeah, it's great. Wow. So this is cool, man. So how did you like, I know you, you know, I, I read something where you said like, at first you were a little bit, you know, shy to talk to people at first. You thought you weren't really a good salesperson and you kind of changed that up, you know, later on in your life. You kind of like, what was that experience? Like, what was that, that magic point that kind of like said, Hey, I need to be this type of person. Because I think from what I read, from what you had told me, you know, um, you weren't that type of individual who was just, you know, trying to walk up to people and had that confidence to talk and to sell people. What changed? Yeah, I think it really started my freshman year of high school. Is I didn't know anybody at the high school really, um, and I would get home from school and I would just go home and play video games by myself, watch TV, play video games. And after like a week or two of that, I, I kind of had a dialogue or a talk with myself, like, you know, is this who I'm going to be? Mike's going to be a recluse and like a loner and just not ever connect with people and not really explore life. And I said, do I want to, do I want to be explorer of life or do I want to be a victim of it? Do I want to be a creator of my future or a victim of it? And so at that point I decided, no, something, this is stupid. I'm going to go get involved in some school activities. So I started with the football team and I didn't want to play football. You know, I was, I was, I considered myself a basketball player. So me playing football was a risk for my basketball season. But, you know, next thing you know, next thing you know, I'm a starting quarterback. So it's like, and then all of a sudden, you know, you, Wait, little you, baby steps. You were you were you were a quarterback, just like uh -huh. that. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I realized like at that moment, I realized you know something. And going, I'm always going to defy my fears. I'm always going to defy being uncomfortable and do whatever's uncomfortable because on the other side of that is everything I really want, um, which is the freedom to you know create what you want and be what you want and not be scared of life but be a, a, a creator of your life. So um, that was kind of one of the tipping points for me, for sure. But what changed? What, 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 how did you realize that? You know, how did you realize that there was this point where you needed to, you know, you know, live on the wild side and, and take risk? And the risk is, what, is how you grew. Um, just sitting there talking to, like, the self-dialogue. Like, is this who I'm going to be? Is this what I want for my future? The rest of my life, do I just want to be one of those people that just kind of just veges out and does nothing, doesn't grow? doesn't expand. Um, so nothing really changed. This a, a change within my mindset that I, I had to make a decision. You know, to me, life's all about decisions. And that was the decision I had to make. And every day I have decisions to make and you have decisions to make. And so it's like, um, I always think about life from that lens is I'm either, I'm either growing or I'm dying. Either I'm stepping into growth or I'm stepping into safety. Right. And moment to moment to moment, I make those decisions. So um, that was just a decision I made. It really, it was, nothing more than that. Like I, I was, just, I didn't want to be that person. So I became somebody different. I mean, I totally get it. It makes sense. You, you, you came to this realization that you didn't want to be that person. You don't want to be that guy or that, that human being. Right. But like, I think there's a different switch, right. Of, of self-awareness that kicks in when somebody realizes, Hey, I don't want to be that guy. I want to be this guy. And, but really 
articulating what that other guy is, right? Without being that guy before, right? I think that's a, a u- unusual, you know, trait for self-awareness that you realize that on one side you were this other person, but you could be this other person and this other person would cause, tr- you know, change within your, your path in general. Yeah. I mean, um, I think we all have different sides of our personalities, but at our core are the real self, the, like the real you is always like powerful and always um, kind of all knowing really. Um, but we don't listen to that, that self because we get so distracted with the video games, with the, with the, in, with the TV, with the social media, whatever it is. And there's so much distraction out there. You never even know who that person is. So by me sitting there with myself, talking to myself, like, who do I want to be? Who am I really? Um, I was able to kind of dig for that and figure it out. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty uh, interesting soft skill um, that when you work for bigger tech companies and things like that, they rate you on that. Like how, how aware are you of things? Self-awareness is one of the soft skills that, you know, it's, it's kind of looked at when you're building things for bigger companies and things like that in the tech industry for sure. So I think it's, it's important to have that and uh, to realize that, you know, you had that at an early point and you just switched up and changed and, you know, came to this realization that this is the person I'm going to be and to transfer that and build a business and leverage that. And now you're out here and, and also changing from a person who wasn't a people person per se, right? Who wasn't that person who was a go-getter and confident and talking. You were playing games and stuff like that before, kind of living a passive life, you know, getting locked in the, in the, in the matrix, if you will, right? And now you're, you know, where you are right now, you're helping other people, you're building a business, right? And what's kind of next for you right now? Like what's, what's on the table for that? I mean, really, I don't really have, I don't believe in goals. <laughs> I think goals are really for losers, to be honest with you, because you can't win either way. Either you, you reach the goal and then it's anticlimactic. So now you have to build another goal. And then you get that goal. It's like, you never, you never, you never, you never win. You're always chasing. I don't believe in chasing. And then, or you don't get the goal and then you beat yourself up because you didn't get to, get to the goal. So like my whole thing is like, I just take every moment as a, as a blessing and an opportunity to, um, to do my best, to be excellent in the moment. Um, and I believe life presents opportunities for me at my feet all the time. So I just take advantage of those opportunities. So like, for example, like me traveling and putting together um, my business, the opportunity that presented itself was like, I should build a course for this because people keep asking me about like, what do you do? How can I do it? How can I learn more? How do you use leverage so much? Like, how do you have so much free time? How do you make so much money? Um, so that was like life presenting an opportunity for me. So I'm like, well, I should be excellent in this opportunity. So let me focus on this. So that's my focus right now is like getting this to people that want it, that are hungry, that want to live this type of lifestyle and get involved in this business. Um, so that's really where I'm at right now. Just take advantage of what's in front of me. And who knows what will be here a year from now or five years or 10 years. Um, but I, I do like circling back to what you said earlier. It's like it's so important for um, us to have space to think like with uninterrupted space to think and really decide like who you're going to be, what I want to create. And I do that all the time. I do it every week, every Sunday. I have um, a detox day where I don't have any devices. I don't have, I don't do anything except for uh, sit and chill, like think all, the whole day. And I have a pen and paper and I kind of disseminate like what was the important stuff I, I learned this week? You know, wh- who do I want to become? What do I want to create? What do I want from all aspects of my life? And then I decide what's the important stuff and I, and I proceed with that. So um, space is like so important for you to get clear on this type of thinking like you're talking about, like the self-awareness. And then like, what do I really want versus like, 
what do I think I want that other people want? That's the problem. Like I, I'm, I'm very crystal clear about like what me as an individual wants because I don't let outside influences control me. Right. I mean, you kind of you kind of had this this interesting point where you just sat back and I would say probably you're a pretty you know analytical person, right? In order to go back and say, hey, look, you know, and also a person and when you're analytical, you kind of have this 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 mindset of of self reflection, right? Which is what you kind of did. You sat down each moment that kind of like majorly changed, you know, the direction of your life, you had this reflection point, this point where you were just thinking, hey, look, how do I, I'm, I'm aware of myself. I know where I am. I know, how, do, how can I change this? How can I increase my efficiency in this world? And in, in, as far as what I want to be, right? And what I want to stand for. I think, you know, I get it. But I think like a lot of people don't have that, right? So how do you transfer people that don't have you know, you know, the germane effect, right? It's a great question. I don't, I don't know if people can do it until they're ready to do it. Um, Is it something that's, do you, do you believe that it's, it's learnable or do you believe that you're born with this? Oh, no, I think it's definitely learnable, but you have to be ready to learn. You got to want to learn it. Um, you got to want to put yourself in situations where you're uncomfortable. If you're only want to be comfortable in your life, you'll never, you'll have a very small life. Um, so it's, you have to have enough pain in your life where it's just like, I have to make a change, but I don't think you can really, um, I don't think you really, you can teach it, but people have to be hungry enough to do it. Um, and, but I think the most important thing is like, start with baby steps, like really, really, really small, stupid, simple stuff where you're not overwhelmed. So like, for example, like say you haven't never worked out in 10 years or whatever it is, you're hundred pounds overweight. The first thing to do is just go on a walk. Don't try to do a bunch of stuff. Like keep it simple. Do one push up, one. And then tomorrow do two. And then the next day do three. The same thing with business. Like make one call, call, one cold call today. Next one, two tomorrow. Like baby steps. And you'll start to build that muscle of I'm doing things that I'm uncomfortable with. And it'll make you more confident. And it's kind of like a virtuous cycle, like a snowball effect. Um, that's what's always worked for me is to start small and scale from there. Right. So, I mean, but even when you just mentioned starting small, like starting small still, you know, you're kind of starting off with smaller goals, right? You know, if you will, and then you're, you're reaching those little points. So I, th I think what I'm trying to say is like, you know, you mentioned goals earlier. So, you know, but, but now you're kind of mentioning like how you did do these, these, you know, small goals to reach or achieve, you know, uh, I guess a greater goal, right? Of, of yeah. whatever you're trying to solve. So at some point, Goals do kind of matter, but it's, it's basically how you break down those goals, right? And how you look at them. Like if they're small and bite-sized and achievable and you're breaking them down to small achievable goals, then it's it sounds more realistic. And I think kind of what you're trying to say is like, what are more realistic goals instead of just like, you know, these, these, these big, grand, vague goals that some of us put ourselves through in life that we, you know, and, and we set ourselves up for failure when, you know, they don't actually succeed. And then we, we get into this negative mode to where, Hey, look, this didn't happen. And now we're just depressed and things like that. But I think also there's other things where it's like being able to accept failure. You know, I think that's a big thing. And I think for what you're talking about from how you've done things, I think, you know, you didn't even look back. It sounds like, and, and, and even worry about the failures. You kind of just focused on how, I'm aware that I'm in this situation and then how do I get out of it? That was it. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So like with the goal thing, like 
I don't believe in long-term goals, but I do believe in the process, like the process. So like, like you were talking about, like, you know, the, the, doing the push-up or making the call one today, two tomorrow, that's a process goal because a, it's not de- determined on an external factor. When you say, I want to lose 10 pounds, you can't control that. You can't control if you lose 10 pounds, but you can control if you walk every day for 10 minutes, you can control that. So that's what I mean by the trust, like trust the process, do the process every day. And I guess if you want to call them daily goals, I consider it like a daily habit or a daily process that I do, but I focus on today because I can't control anything for tomorrow, but I can only focus on like what I actually can control today. And so I can do the one push-up. I can go on the 10-minute walk. I can make the one cold call. I'm in control of that. Um, and you're right. Like failure is not a thing to me. I don't, I don't even believe anything's a failure. I never have. Um, I can't think of any failure I've ever had in my life. Because I don't think it that way. I just move on. I, it's, like, it's a moot point. Right. And that—that's. And Jermaine, I, I want to also touch on that. That is also a unique feature, right? That is a unique feature. That is a unique you know, trait or attribute. Just basically look at things and say, hey, look, I'm not going to look back at failure so much. I'm going to look at more of the, you know, I'm going to have this confidence to believe that I'm going to succeed no matter what, you know? That is a that is a little bit of a different thing. And I think a lot of people don't have that. A lot of people have low self-esteem sometimes. And it's just like getting up to believe in themselves and then also lack of self-awareness, not having those role models and, and people to look at to see how they can kind of wiggle out of these certain situations. But you came through with these certain aha moments where you were just like resilient and you kept on going and you still made it. But that's unusual. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I think I think uh, uh, a low self-esteem. Dude, it's, it's so hard to see what other people's lives are like because I don't know what's going on. Right. Like, you can look at me and think one thing about me, but you don't know what's going on in my head. I don't know what's going on in your head. Right. I don't know how you feel about yourself. You don't know how I feel about myself. So it's so hard for me to judge other people to see who they really are because most of the time you're just getting a mask. Um, you don't, it's hard to kind of get to the core of a human um, unless they're open to, to expose themselves. Um, so I don't, I, I really don't know because well, like, I, 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 like I would just say, I like, if you world, look at yourself right now, Jermaine, how many people on average do you know that are living like you? Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't know a lot of people. Without judging zero. the face, right? Because we're going to say that. We're going to say we're not going to judge the face and things like that. I got it. But how many people, yeah. if you had to look at it, face value of where people are living like, how many people do you guess that you probably walk by on average do you normally think that lives a lifestyle like you? I don't know, 1%. Um, but I guess, but, but my point was, um, what was I getting at? Uh, I can't remember what we were talking about. You're going to make a lovely point about how people are able to, to be, you know, like Jermaine, who is like an awesome, you know, entrepreneur and has these, these resilient skills. I mean, I, I, you know, I commend what you do, but it's like the, those traits are a little harder to find. And for you to even try to cultivate that from people, I think that's awesome, but I do say I, I do think that that is that is a, a harder thing for people to actually tap into, you know. And well, doing that, that is awesome. I think, I, I, no, so I think that the problem, the, the root of the problem, why people aren't excelling in their life, or they're not where they want to be, is like you were talking about low self esteem or lack of confidence. Lack of confidence is a symptom of you not um, making progress in your life, because progress equals happiness. It just does no matter how small it is. Right. So that's why it's so important that you have these process goals in your life 
where you can actually start feeling good for yourself, small, minute wins. Even if I only did one push-up today, I told myself, I'm going to do one push-up today, and I did it. That's a reinforcing factor. And then tomorrow, I told myself, I'm going to do two, and I did two push-ups. And like this can bleed into all types of uh, parts of your life. But the point is, people in general that don't excel in their life, they don't even try to do even the small things on a consistent, perpetual basis. They don't focus on the process. They kind of let life push them around versus being the creator of, um, why, do pe- why do people let life push them around? Um, I think they don't have any clear vision of who they want to be. I think that's a big problem. Like vision seems like everything to me. But isn't, like, that, isn't that about self-awareness too though? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, to a certain degree, but a lot of it just like have a vision for your life. Like what do I want to do a year from now? Like who, what do I imagine? Or even like who, who do I want to be today? Like I think about that. Like like when I meditate in the morning or I think about stuff, I'll think about like how am I going to interact today? Like how am I going to act on the podcast? How are we gonna, how are me and you going to gonna jive? How am I going to uh, act when I talk to people on the street? How am I going to act within my business? Like I vi- visualize myself. What kind of posture do I have? What kind of tone of my voice do I have? Am I smiling? Am I mad? Am, like who do I want to be? And I create that in my mind crystal clear. And then as I go through my day, even almost subconsciously, I execute on that plan. So I, I saw people, people don't take the time to be self-aware enough to, to create themselves and create their own vision of excellence. I mean, is it, is it, is it actually self-awareness, you know, is it actually, you know, people taking the time to, you know, be self-aware or is it the fact that maybe some people just aren't that self-aware? I think a lot of people are scared to be self-aware because they don't want to, they don't want to see what they're going to find. Um, it's like the, um, it's like the young quote, the place you don't want to look is the place you have to look or that dark cave you don't want to go into is where you have to go. I think a lot of people don't, that's why people are always so distracted because they don't want to hear their mind talk about whatever they're trying to avoid. Distraction is an avoidance mechanism. So um, if you're too scared to face your demons, then you're going to be a victim of your demons versus face your demons, look at them, figure out it's just mostly, the, it's just chatter in your head. It's not a real thing. It's just a, a story you've been telling yourself. And as you realize that from self-awareness, like, oh, this is the story I'm telling myself about these type of people or that type of person or myself, then you can get clarity on like, hmm, how, I think I'm going to rewrite that story. So is the root of it fair? Is it fair? Is what fair? Is the root of not having that self-confidence and that self-awareness and, and being able to change that, is it fair? Is it fair? Is it, what do you mean by fair? Fair. Like, are people afraid? Is, it, is, it, is, it, is the reason oh, they're not changing fear. fair? Yeah. Fear, my bad. I thought you said Sorry fair. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 100% it's fear. Like, fear drives everybody. It, it's, it's the catalyst. And I use it fear as actually my North star. I have a thing I always tell myself, I follow my fear because my fear is telling me what direction to go in life. It's literally pointing the way. Like if you fear doing something, that's the thing you should do. Like if your fear, go talk to the grill or start the business or da, 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 da. And it's like really bubbling up. Like something's like, really, I don't really want to do this because I'm scared. That's the thing you have to do. Cause on the other side of that is always peace. And I've always found that every time I'm fearful of something to do something, to start something, to become something, it's always fear, but I just realized that I have to move past that if I want to grow. I think that's interesting that you realize that, but I think like what I'm always looking at is like where that interesting point where you just, you know, that spark where you said, boom, this is when I realize this. And this is what I, I, and out of that, out of that situation, you realize the result and then how to, you know, you know, put yourself in the situation to where it's going to cause you to be prosperous. 
how it's going to cause you to, you know, grow in generally. Like you had to go through this actual aha moment, if you will, to where you started realizing, hey, look, if I do this, this is causes me to do such and such. I grow each time I actually put myself in an uncomfortable situation. And yeah. I think a lot of people don't have that, man. I think people have this like they get in an uncomfortable situation, they run, they crunch, they crumble. You know, it's like, oh, I, I just don't. They, there's this avoidance mechanism, right? Psychologically in their mind, I want to avoid any type of fear as much as possible. Any type of like, you know, resistance. Let's just stay away from it. But you don't. Yeah, no, I, no, I don't. Because I, I had to I had to create my my identity, if you will. And my life and, and my journey and at a young age. So I was abandoned by my father, like when I was two and I was adopted again, like when I was five and then abandoned by the stepfather. So it, it made me have to, a couple of things. It made me number one, look at the world from a different lens because I had to think if, if a father is willing to abandon their child, what does that say about the rest, the rest of society? What does that say about a, the rest of strangers? What's a stranger willing to do to another stranger? And so it made me kind of have to ponder, like, what's going on in the world? And then secondly, you know, I was from, my mom's white, my dad was black. So it's like I always had all these questions about, you know, what are you, what are you, what are you? And people would always come to me and kind of want to define me and tell me this is the box I need to be in. Right. And so at a young age, I kind of realized, you know, everyone is, 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 is trying to define me. But like, I don't know, like, I'm just a human. What, I don't know what you're talking, I don't know what questions you're asking me. I'm five years old. What do you expect? And so I, at a very young age, I had to realize, hey, I have, I have to find the truth about people. Are they really as, um, like, what's, what's going on with everybody running and hiding, like my father? And um, what's, how am I going to define myself? I don't like these labels that people are putting on me. So guess what? I'm going to get rid of all labels and I'll define myself. And that was kind of the catalyst. Right. I mean, I think, I think you mentioned a lot of really cool stuff, man. A lot of cool shit there, man. But, uh, I think one thing that you, that I wanted to highlight is that you just said you didn't want people to define you. You got tired of that. You didn't want the systematic structure that somebody else defined and set up to define you, you were a human being and that you wanted to focus on you and who you were as a human. And I think that's interesting. I think there's, there's, there's something always, um, that I learned in computer science, Right. And it was, you know, if you want to uh, in order to declare a variable, you have to give it a name to give it value. And so what that, you know, that was like an aha moment for me where I realized, well, holy, sh-, you know, when basically what happens in life is people start coming up with these names and then it gives them value. So even your name when you're born or whatever you call something, you've given it value. But without that name, it doesn't really have that much value. So you begin to brand yourself. You begin to make yourself. But if you allow other people to name you as, you know, and and even that name that they named, they came up with it in general and somebody else created it. And now you just own that is is just ridiculous, right? And for you to realize that too, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it kind of goes back to, um, like, I don't see based on my upbringing and how I formed my narrative about the world. I don't see like uh, labels. I don't see like black people, white people, males, females, Democrat, Republican. I don't see like Chinese or American. I see like there's only two types of people in the world. There's creators and then there's victims. And that's it. And so like I, I look at you, I'm like, you're a creator because you're, you're building this thing. You're doing something. You're taking charge of your life. You're defining whatever things are 
the fear that's holding you back to start the podcast, right? And so, but some people are victims of their past or their circumstance or their own story. And so like, that's, those, there's only two types of people in the world. So it kind of goes back to what you're saying is like being the author of your own story, of your own narrative, of your own identity, and not being a victim of what other people want to say about you or what society wants to put you in a box. Like I can't be boxed in. So it's like, um, I just feel, I just feel lucky that, um, I can create my own, my own situation, my own narrative, my own uh, future. Well, I think the thing is, 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 is here, Jermaine is again, once you come to the realization that someone else gave value to something else, whether, whatever name you call it, if I call something a banana, if I call something a camera, why was it a camera? Why was it called this? And et cetera. Someone else named that. Someone coined that. And then once that was coined, people just copy and paste that, right? And that is their identity or, or term for that object, right? That is, that's how, kind of how you object, objectify whatever that may be or whatever, right? So I think like what I'm saying is in general is like you came to this unique point in life where you kind of just like, you know, took ownership for who you were as yourself. You branded yourself instead of letting somebody two or 300 years ago or 400 years ago come up with these like, you know, type of uh, branding terms of like identity, like who, what box do you fit in to cause mass separation, right? Um, and, and to cause, you know, other intricate details that are involved with that, but uh, or caste-like systems, right? You, you kind of withdraw that. You kind of said, you know what? I'm not going to let society define me. And society in general is basically based off of what a couple of people came up with and said, hey, look, this is what we're going to define as that. And then now society just, you know, it just, uh, it just, it just copies that, right? We just pick that up and we, we, we don't come up with our own, you know, um, you know, uh, opinions or, uh, or, or terms, et cetera. We kind of just take whatever we were taught and say, that's that. We don't think analytically. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's kind of like, there's nothing real in the world. Like nothing's real. Everything's made up. Everything's a story. Like your name, like you're saying, like everything is just like, think about money. Money is not real. The only realness of money is what people put value on it and say it's real. And it, by itself, it's it's not real. It's not a real thing. So once you kind of realize that, you decide, well, if nothing's real, I can make up whatever I want. I can make up whatever life I want to live. I can become whatever I want because there's nothing really real. You saying I'm black or I'm white or I'm this or I'm that, that's not a real thing. I'll decide what I am. You know, I'm going to be a X, Y, and Z. So I mean, that's really- these are facts because like literally if if, if you, you travel to, you know, you travel anywhere to Latin America – you would just be whatever you would be, right? And everybody's, you know, pretty much have some other admixtures and you would just be a Spanish speaker, right? You would be whatever of that country. But when you kind of come to the United States, these other variances kick in to where it's like people really just like drill that down and try to call you something else and, and whatever, or whatever the branding may be. But it's just always interesting how things are branded and then you can go somewhere else and that branding doesn't exactly stay consistent which which also brings to the fact or realization, excuse me, that hey, look, this shit's made up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's all made up. Because think about it. When I travel around the world, I go to different countries, and the shit's definitely made up. Because in this country or that country, this doesn't even exist. Yes. This idea doesn't even exist. The story, the story doesn't even exist here. But they, but the funny thing about it is they have their own story, their own identities. And it's like, you can see it so crystal clear as you go to different countries. Then it's like, everyone's playing the same identity game, 
but they don't know why they're playing it. They're just playing it because someone else played it before them. And I decided to check out of that game a long time ago when I said, no, I'm not, I'm not going to play this game. I'm going to play my game. It's almost like, that's what I love, like sports sometimes. I don't watch a lot of sports, but I do love, I love the arts in general. Um, I don't care if it's music, culinary, whatever, painting. Because I love that. I love that you can play your game, whatever that is. Like if there's a Picasso looks totally different than a Rembrandt or like, you know what I mean? So you can, you can, you can look at a Kobe Bryant move in his game, like what he would do in a situation versus, you know, a LeBron, like they have different modes of, of, um, of uh, externalizing their art. And so that's always beautiful. Like individuals, even if you're not in sports, even if it's just me and you, we can, we have different modes to, in, to express our art. And um, I chose to figure out my own way of expressing. This is what it is. Right. That's amazing, man. So what you kind of contribute to a lot of your things is like, I think I want to say like a lot of the things that you went through as a child, you know, uh, with your, you know, being adopted and things like that with your, you know, family and stuff like that, as far as your father and mom and things like that, that seemed like it actually, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think like, where would you be if it was the opposite way around? I know that's kind of hard to fathom, but like, would you be so ambitious? Right? No. Right? Not even close. I think about all the time. I'm like, thank God all that happened. Like I'm such a blessing to me. I don't, I don't think about things in a negative light. I always think about like, we're, what, what's great about the situation. And so I was thinking to myself, man, I, I kind of had a clean slate because I had no external influences on me telling me I need to be this. This is who you are. Um, I was kind of a latchkey kid. I kind of raised myself. I, I was home a lot by myself and alone. So I had a lot of free time to kind of think. And so I'm just happy the way things transpired because it built me the way I am today. And I think the way I do and actually have an open mind to realize, you know, like when my father was running away, it, I, originally I used to think of something wrong with me. Like I was defective or I wasn't lovable or, you know, I took it as an like internal problem. Personal, right. yeah. But, you know, I thought about it more and more. I realized it has nothing to do with me. It, he was running from his life. He was running from himself. He was running from the fact that he wouldn't think he would be a good father or he wasn't adequate or whatever it is. He was running. He wasn't running from me. He was running from himself. And I think about the same thing with business. Like when, when people are, are upset or mad about a, a situation in business, they're not mad at me. They're mad at themselves. They're having a bad day. They're, they're scared. They're, they're, there's something going on because there's no reason for them to be having this type of reaction to such a small thing in the grand scheme of things. Like if someone tells me some bad news, I'm not going to blow up on them because I realize there's bigger, there's bigger things in the world to enjoy than to be upset about you didn't make, make the phone call at 4 p.m. and you, you had to reschedule for tomorrow. You know, you know what I mean? So like I think about things in, in that context and I realize you know, it, most people are just scared. They're trying to get the same thing we all want, but they don't know why they're doing what they're doing because they don't, again, step back and, and, and really critically think about it and how there might be a better mode to go about doing that. Yeah, you keep on mentioning a lot of things, you know, critical thinking, right? You're also mentioning empathy, right? You're also thinking, you're also mentioning things like, you know, self-awareness, you know, being analytical and things like that. These are a lot of like attributes or features, if you will, that a lot of people don't do. They don't really self-reflect very well. They are not able sometimes to computerize or compute in general what is the actual problem, Right. And so I think a lot of people sometimes just sit there and they just try to search what's the problem. Or some people know some of the problem, but they don't know the whole scope of it. But I think you, you, you sit down and you, you actually try to think about it and, and break it down into small, intricate steps, right? 
and then you try to achieve or solve each each small uh, problem, if you will, right at a at a different level. You you take your time with those and just think each one out, and then you kind of like you come up with this holistic kind of a view of like, okay, this is the situation, this is the scenario, this is how I can deal with this. This is how I can kind of solve this. So I would say you're not, as a creator, as a fellow creator, I would say that you're also not just a, um, an entrepreneur, um, not just a creator. You're a problem solver because a true creator solves problems, right? You don't make money unless you're solving problems. You solve problems for a lot of people, you make money. So that is a reflection of you solving problems, not necessarily creating. It's you solving problems. There's problems out there. You located them and you solved them. And that's why you're making money. That's why you're sitting in Malay. Yeah, but the more important thing is first you have to start solving your own problems. You can't solve other people's problems or build a business or create unless you start creating your own uh, new vision of yourself. And so like what you're saying is um, like I spend a lot of time journaling and I think about this quite a bit. Like sometimes I'll wake up in the morning and do a brain dump. And if I'm anxious or something, I'll write down everything I'm anxious about. So I just get it out of my system because like you were saying – I can't execute on the moment in front of me right now, like us having this conversation. This is what's happening right now. Like in 20 minutes or an hour from now, we're going to go on and do it, live in our lives, but we have this right now, me and you. So I can't execute on right now with me and you if I have all this anxiety about stuff that happened in the past or stuff that might happen tomorrow. So it's important for me to do those brain dumps with journaling. And then another thing I think about quite a bit is like, I'll journal, like, what do I really want? And, and a lot of times you'll say, oh, I want a new job. I want you know, $100,000 in the bank. I want to make a million dollars this year, whatever it is. I want the girl, I want the car, I want the house, whatever. Um, but that's not really what you want. So like I, when, I, when I distill this during my drilling sessions, I realized, you know, what I really want, I want peace. I want abundance. I want to feel excited. I want to feel a, a appreciation and gratitude. I want to feel connected to other people and to life in general. That's what you really want. You want to feel like you're in the moment. That's what you want. So based on that, that's what I want. So what can I do today to make that happen? Like, what can I do today in this moment to make me feel some of that? Can I make a, a phone call? Can I, can I say thank you to somebody? Can I make a smile at somebody? Can I, you, know, you know what I mean? So I break it down into like what I really, really want. And I decide what can I do right now in this moment that will fulfill that. So basically, you're saying you break down things, you know, um, in small, intricate ways again, and then you think about holistically how you can solve that, and then and that's kind of how you do things. And you also mentioned some things like, you know, kind of like the, the the law of writing. You know, you write down a lot of your thoughts so that way you can get it out, you know, of your mind and, and kind of like, you know, kind of like goals or just even just expressing yourself. I mean, it's kind of like self therapy. I think writing things is important, right? Writing down things is important. I think some people overlook that um, as not being like a really strong value, but it, it, it has a skill set that, that kind of entwines with, um, intertwines with, uh, you know, therapy and then planning, right? Planning yeah. and, 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 and being really analytical and thinking about your next move, strategic as well. So it's yeah. an amazing thing. Yeah, for me, it solidifies who I am even more. Like when I, if I'm writing, um, a post for, for LinkedIn or something, or if I'm writing in my journal, it solidifies my thoughts. And almost like when you put something on the paper, it's almost like you're stake, putting your stake in the ground. And it's like, this is how I feel about X, Y, and Z. And it can be changed. It can be refined. And it could be just in the moment. That's okay. But it's like, it's like, this is how I feel about it. And it solidifies, it makes it clear for me of what I want, who I want to be, and who can I um, be today. 
so yeah, writing has been huge for me for sure. Yeah. I think, I think that that's always an interesting thing, writing. And, and also another thing that too, that, you know, you mentioned too, you were, you know, you raised and you were kind of like adopted and things like that. And your way from, you know, reacting towards that wasn't the typical way. And, 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 you know, people react to it differently, right? I mean, you've got guys like Steve Jobs, who I would probably say reacted to it as a positive, but also a very negative way, right? Where, you know, there was some, you know, some internal self-hate that had to exist there where, you know, he kind of was, you know, holds some grudges against his biological parents, you know, going to the restaurant where his father was and things like that from what it seemed like to be. And, you know, him, you know, passing by him and then not even saying who he was, you know, and having a conversation with his real birth father. Instead of forgiving, you just hold that in, that self-hate, that anger, right? And instead of thinking like, hey, this, if this didn't happen, I wouldn't be Steve Jobs, right? I would have been Steve, you know, Abu Dhabi, right? Which probably also played a part into his branding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True. Let's think it's about true, it. Though. The, 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 you know, when we're thinking about branding things and we're thinking about naming things of value and where we are in this world and, and the, you know, and, and the way people think of now, even the power of branding things that, that sound, you know, within our scope of what we consider normal, you know, Steve Abu Dhabi might have not been a Steve Jobs. I, in fact, I'll go out and take a limb. I don't think he would have been the same guy. You know, you got to get that funding. You got to get that buy in from those with the power. And during his time, Steve Abdali probably wouldn't have had that, you know? I mean, if you look at the the patterns that you see of the people who are raising that type of capital, things like that of this day, they kind of have these these basic generic kind of uh, Anglo-Saxon types of names, right? Elon Musk, you know, Steve Jobs, things like that. These are the kind of things that kind of make, you know, I would say they kind of do help, right? That branding. Interesting thing. Yeah, I think I think it's more of a, I think it's more of a, a factor of, he would have been hungry. He was hungry because he was abandoned. He was hungry because he wanted to prove himself that he was worthwhile, that he could create something beautiful. Um, that that the, the last name, I don't think, plays a role in it. I think it, the whole thing is plays in a role that he was hungry enough to create something that he wanted to create. Um, that's what it comes down to, really. I agree with you. I agree with you that the ultimate thing was he was hungry, you know, because hunger does matter. But there is a thing, you know, where, you know, even when you're going for certain jobs and things like that and resumes and things like that, there is a type of, you know, name thing that goes through things as far as like, do they sound familiar? Do they sound of something of likeness? So when you're going to raise capital and you're doing things like that, some of those things can, 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 can block you from growth. You know, I mean, I'm not saying that somebody like Steve Jobs couldn't have kept on, you know, you know, pushing and, 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 and beating adversity and things like that. But it's just like, would it been, you know, and, and how many people now, have that similar pattern of, of a name that is in that caliber as he is. I don't know too many that are. I, I, I don't know. I, I disagree on the whole name thing because what's that? I so said we could go about that all day. <laughs> yeah, because here's the thing. Like, think about a Barack Obama. Who, who the hell would ever vote for Obama, an Obama? Especially after Saddam Hussein and all that. Barack Hussein Obama. So it's kind of like the same thing. It's like you, you could say, oh, he would never be president. He was president. So it's like... Uh, he, that's one, weird. he I, I think at the end of the day like when you're so good you can't be ignored you can't be ignored no matter what so that's why i kind of feel like it doesn't really matter if you're so good it doesn't matter if you have content and you have a value to give to the world it doesn't matter you could have no eyes and no lips and no arms 
if you were killing it at opera singing, then people are going to listen to you. It doesn't matter. That's go, that goes back to the little victim thing. Like, like, oh, my name is this, or I'm this, or that, that. That's why I can't get ahead. That's bullshit. Like, go, go make it happen. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I think there's a different thing when, when we talk about victimization, right? Victimization is, is what I'd probably say is when someone just lets those, those type of things of, of what are patterns affect their trajectory, right? Meaning like if Steve Jobs would have said, oh, for example, if he would have been born with his birth father's name, I'm Steve Abadali or whatever, how you pronounce it. And then he just let that stop him from being successful. He, he let it stop him from fighting and, and, and moving and pushing forward through adversity and things like that. But I think what I'm saying is like, and, and I think we have some patterns with that within, you know, the world of, you know, of the past in general is that certain people weren't allowed to do certain things based off of who they were and their background and things like that. Now they've had all this, they might've had all this, you know, uh, resilience and et cetera, but still there are certain things that people do, you know, uh, kind of suppressed in certain thing in certain ways, but that doesn't mean that you still don't, you, you still don't push. That still doesn't mean that you don't strive. And that still doesn't mean you sit there and you say, okay, well, for example, my name is Barack Obama. I can't be president. Right. But I, w- I would say Barack Obama is another unique scenario where Barack Obama, you know, was raised in a family where he wasn't told no. You know, I don't think that he was told that he could never be president. You know what I mean? And and then also at the same time, Barack Obama also came at a certain time. Time is also relevance. You know, would he have been president Barack Obama Hussein in the 1950s? I don't know about that. The right timing and then also with that adversity and just keep on going. Sometimes it's just that special special chemistry or that special timing and, and potion that kind of has to put you in there. So that resilience and nobody teaching him when he was a kid that he couldn't be president. You know, his mother probably telling him, you can do whatever you want, go to Harvard, never thinking that he could never measure up or not do that. That's a different type of mindset if you're raised like that. If nobody's telling you that you can't, then you sometimes what happens as a child will sometimes keep on going towards the stars, if you, especially if your parents are raising you, you can do anything you want. You can be president and really believe in it and push you and back you behind it. And I think like he had those unique things that played in part because I think a lot of people would say somebody like Barack Obama would never have been president. But the facts are he became president because probably the people that he was raised around with obviously didn't hold back on pushing him to the highness. You know, he went to Harvard. He studied well. You know, he was a lawyer and things like that. He became something. But there was somebody obviously not holding him back saying, Oh, Barack, you can't do that. Look at the way you look. You can never do that. That didn't really exist probably in his lifetime, in his mind. So he just didn't think of that way, probably because of the ways he was raised. And so he kept on. He kept on doing what he doing. Now, I'm not saying that he probably didn't face, you know, any type of like personal adversity from people around him and stuff like that. But if you're raised kind of to be a self-motivated person and, and that you can do whatever you want – that does play a big factor in a lot of people's lives, that, that encouragement that some parents, you know, put on their kids. Now, not everybody needs that encouragement, right? Like I would say probably you, you came up with your own encouragement, you know? You found it within yourself. You found the leader within yourself, and you kept on going. But how many people are actually doing that, you know? I don't think it's a lot of people that do that. But I do think that time has a relevance to play into certain things as well. But I don't think that you should sit there and play a victim ever. I don't think anybody should play a victim, right? And I think everything, sometimes certain things are meant to be, right? I think sometimes, you know, Jermaine was meant to be who he was meant to be. You were meant to be born at this certain area of time. 
You were meant to become an entrepreneur and be successful, and you just fulfilled whatever that was supposed to be. But I'm not taking the fact that you didn't work for it because you worked for it. Yeah, I mean, um, for sure. I mean, um, I, I think at the end of the day, I, I still believe in the individual more than anything else. Um, as far as and I do too. No matter, no matter, like no matter, no matter how you're raised, good or bad. Um, you can be raised in the perfect household. You can be anything you want to be. You can be anything you want to be. You can be anything you want to be. And some people are still on meth. Um, some people are saying, some people are raised in a household, you're a piece of shit. And all of a sudden you're X, Y, and Z. You can do whatever you want. Build, build your business. So, But I, that's, I a, but like that's based on the, the, it, the type of personality though. Don't you think it's a personality? Like you have self-awareness. Like that is a characteristic that you don't, I've ran across a lot of people. Not everybody has that confidence and self-awareness to troubleshoot themselves. It's a mindset. You have a, a, a mindset to be hungry. As you even said priorly, these creators, these creators, you're a creator, right? That's a different mind. I don't mean to, I mean, everybody is a creator in general, but there's this different type of energy of creators, right? The, the go-getters, this passion and drive to be able to believe in, in that you're going to do this and whatever motivated you to start doing that. It, it's awesome. But I also think it's a personality thing that you had, you were born with. And I've, I've run across people where I've seen them kind of doing the same exact thing over and over and over again. And you wonder like, Hey, well, why don't they just do this? And why don't you think like this? And you could tell them and they just don't get it. They just don't get it. Or it may seem too hard. Yeah. I think, I think the problem is they don't trust themselves. Like one of the most important things I realized within myself is I trust myself completely. That's why I can be so relaxed and so in the moment because I trust whatever comes up is meant to be said. I can trust um, the direction of my life in my business and everything, every aspect of my life that is going in the direction that I decided. I trust my gut. I trust my decisions. And also I, um, I always have this motto and kind of thought was like, no matter what happens, no matter what, I'll be okay. And so when you always have that mentality, you really just kind of float through life. It's like, it's easy because you're just like, listen, like when you have a perspective, like I'm going to die, you're going to die. Everyone's going to die. What are we so uptight about? There's nothing to worry about. I came here. I don't know how the hell I got here. I'm leaving soon. So what am I going to do in between these parentheses? Like I get all this opportunity, this, this, this amazing life to look at the stars, to look at the sky, to look at the ocean, to look at all these beautiful people, to have all these things built for me that I didn't have to build. I didn't have to build the MacBook. I didn't have to build the, the AirPods. I didn't have to make the coffee. I didn't have to buy the – none of this shit. It's all made for me to enjoy. But here I am bitching and moaning about X, Y, and Z, about Donald Trump or about the, what's going on in the news. I don't give a shit about that. I give a shit about the opportunity that's at my feet right now. And so when you think from that mode, it's like you can do anything you want because it's going to be okay because I die. And it might be today. It might be 100 years from now. But whenever it is, I want to let out a big sigh and say, I did it. I did it my way. And I think that's cool. But like I said earlier, a lot of people don't have – like they can have that self-awareness where they're saying, hey, look, I, don't, I know I'm going to die. This is going to happen, blah, blah, blah in their life. But then they take that in a way where it's just like, so nothing else matters. I don't need to do that. None of that matters. I don't need to have this. I don't have that. And there's nobody saying that that's a wrong way of doing it per se. But your your outlook on it is, is different. It's like, I'm going to pass. Everything's going to end. So why not go for the why not go for the sky? Why not be free while you're doing it? Yeah. 
let's say retirement. Like I think about retirement, it's like the dumbest concept in the world. So you're gonna, I'm gonna wait till I'm 60 or 70 years old to enjoy my life when I can't bend down, I can't run, I can't enjoy, uh, I'm constipated, I'm fucked, like you're all fucked up and now I'm gonna enjoy my life. Why don't I enjoy my life now when I'm in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s? Like enjoy it along the process, make it your lifestyle, your retirement. I've been retired for years because I live like a retiree. I go to I go to matinees for God's sake on Monday. So like to the movies. And so it's like, um, but you're so proactive like, though. You're proactive. You're proactive and you're yeah. confident. You're proactive and confident. Not a lot of people. Yeah, but it, ha- do you think everybody it, has it, that? I know that most people don't have it because it comes with practice. If you don't practice, just like you, do you think you practice? Doing, do you think you practice? That? Do you think you practice having that proactivity, that drive that you have? Because I can feel it every day, every day, every day. Whether it was me making 300 cold calls a day to get a 290 no's, that's practice. Uh, me going door-to-door sales, that's practice. Me failing at basketball practice or failing at football practice or failing talking to the girl, that's practice. Me failing at whatever. But you had confidence, practice. though, to go do that. You, it seems like you have a lot of confidence to go ahead and face no, adversity. No, I didn't have any confidence. You did? I don't, I, don't have conf- I, don't, I don't have confidence. I just really? do it. Yeah, I, have- I, I'm, 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 I'm scared every day about all types of stuff. I have fear about all types of stuff. But you but still I do just it. Don't let it. I just don't let it stop me. Exactly. Because I know my freedom's on the other side of whatever I'm scared of doing. Because I've seen it happen time and time again. Every time I'm scared of doing something, I do it. I feel great. I feel completely free. So I keep feeding that, that, that snowball. So the next time I run into something fearful, I'm going to do it because I know I'm going to feel great on the other side. Every time I'm done with the workout, I feel great because I did something I didn't want to do. So basically a but learned, a learned behavior some, is what you've kind of yeah, learned. You've, you've learned this behavior. You've learned after self-awareness that, hey, look, I was in this situation, but when I did this – this caused my life to change in a, in a, in a positive way. And so after that, yeah. you kind of just kept on copying and pasting it. I said, hey, wait a minute. I think I figured out a pattern. The pattern is when I put myself in an uncomfortable place where I'm, you know, I'm learning, um, I'm, I'm, a, you know, I'm not afraid of what people are going to think about me if I say something wrong or if I do something not in the best way, I'm just going to fail and learn. I'm going to be like a child. I'm going to fail and learn. And if I make a mistake, oh, well, I'll apologize or whatever I have to do, and I'll just keep on going. I'm not worried about that. Yeah, that's what creators do. Creators don't worry about the failures. They just keep moving forward. Um, they just push back. Um, it, it's just like it's either you're a victim or a creator. That's really what it comes down to. And like, and, you know, I, and, I, and I agree with you on that when you say that earlier, like how you said like either you're a victim or, or you're a creator, right? Is that correct? I agree with yeah. you on that totally. So that is that's I think that's what I was kind of like what I've been digging at for you know a little bit here is just like there is that 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 two creator or victim type of mentality right that exists overall but there's different levels of that victimhood right there's some people that may not seem like victims right who might want to focus on you know that retirement after sixty years per se right and you know you could say that could be possibly a victim because they're just not you know oh they're not thinking different they're not saying they want to retire at at 40 or 30 or something like that. So maybe they're just like, and their reasoning may be, well, I don't think I can do that. That's for those type of people. So that would put them in the victim mentality. No, here's the thing about victims and creators. Only the individual knows if they're a victim or a creator. Me as an external witness, I don't know because maybe you're working for that, that job and you're going to retire at 65. And in your mind, I'm creating this beautiful thing for the future. I'm creating this beautiful retirement for myself. This is, I'm creating this. And if you feel that way, then you're a creator to me. But if you feel like I hate this job, I'm just doing it for the paycheck, I can't wait till I retire so 
I don't have to come here anymore. Then I'll be free. To me, that's a victim mentality. But only you know that, like what side of the fence you're on regarding that mentality. Um, I can't judge you on that. This is just what I chose to create. But I see a lot of people with the way they speak and what they say, it's a very victimhood mentality. So I don't believe there's levels to creators and victims. I believe there's, you're either a creator or a victim. I don't believe there's different levels because it depends on how you see the world through your lens defines if I'm going to be a creator or am I, I'm going to be a victim. Okay. So, so I could, I could agree with you. I could agree with you on that direction. If you, if you, if you, if you focus on, you know, the, 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 the value and the message in that way, then yes, I would say that'd be totally true. Um, you know, it, it depends on how you're looking at it. So depending on how you're looking at it, I would totally agree with that. Um, but there's a lot of victims in the world, man. There's a lot of victims, a lot of victims going on and not a lot of people that are creators, you know, in, in that, in that realm. Um, you hear it all the time. Well, the, the problem is our culture, especially Western culture, they, they teach victimhood. They preach victimhood. It's like a, a badge and honor. Um, and the media controls the victimhood narrative narrative. You see it all the time. Um, it, it's just a very bizarre, if you look at the media clearly from an outsider's perspective, and I'm, I, I'm very non-biased, I don't care. Right. Um, when you look at it, you see they're pushing narratives hard based on their agenda. And then they'll change the narrative on a dime when the, when the situation changes. And so you realize it's just their, that's their lens. They want everyone else to look through. So they're fearful. And so they have eyeballs so they can make ad revenue. I understand that's what they're doing. Um, but as an individual, you have to be you have to be cognizant enough to realize that's what they're doing. So I'm gonna turn that shit off because I want positivity in my life. Because 99% of the world is beautiful, helpful, friendly, loving. They want to fo- focus on the 1% of the world that's having issues, that that that's having trouble, that there's murder and mayhem. Yeah, it's happening. There's seven billion people in the world. Shit's gonna happen. But it, why are we focusing on that? Why not focus on the beauty? So. Um, that's my, that's that's a creator mentality. A creator's going to look for the beautiful shit, not look at the bad stuff. And if you do realize why you're looking there, and then create a new narrative over that, it's okay to look there, but just don't stay there. Right, for sure. Don't don't harbor yourself right there. You know, keep on. You know, it's it's okay to be able to be able to acknowledge that there's these things going on over here, but you shouldn't soak into it. You need to focus on what you got to do, and not sit there and, and stay yeah. in victimhood. And I agree with you, man, totally. I mean. You know, it, it is a big thing. It's a big thing that a lot of people, you know, face daily is to have that courage and that endurance and that self-awareness to be able to say, I'm a victim. How do I change it? You know, how do I change it? How do I be, you know, a creator per se, right? Or, you know, instead of being the victim. And I think that that, that comes to a point in your life maybe to where you're like, you're coming to a breaking point where you're saying, hey, look, I want to change. Or maybe they meet somebody like you. And, you know, that causes them to change. Have you changed other people's trajectory in life directions? I don't know, man. I, I'm so, I'm so, I'm so, people, I think people probably have told me, but I really don't, I don't, I don't take negativity or positivity. I kind of ignore it all. Really? Um, I just, because I, I can't control it. I can't control how you feel about me, good or bad. So why would I take, why would I care, like how you feel positively towards me? Or negatively towards me, it's almost like okay, great. Like, I, I, I oh, okay, Jermaine, you're a piece of shit. Okay, great, Jermaine, you're the best thing in the world. Okay, great. I, I don't care. So, um, you know, one one thing that's helped me quite a bit with that mentality is like non-attachment. I don't have attachment to things. You know, I'm a minimalist. I don't have like a lot of stuff. The stuff I do have, I love, and and it is and like value to me is not necessarily monetarily. I can have something that costs ten thousand dollars that I love, 
It's something that costs $10 and I love it. It, does, it doesn't matter. So, but it, it's give, it gives me the space um, to see clearly because I'm not encumbered by stuff. And a lot of stuff actually is working in the background because you're always thinking about it or you're always worried about it. I wonder how the car is doing. Hope I don't get a flat tire. I wonder how the mortgage is doing. I wonder how I got to get the insurance. Like there's so much shit in our lives. I feel like 80% of our day is spent managing our shit versus 80% of your day should be just enjoying life. Like my number one goal in life is to enjoy it. That's it. So I develop my days so I can enjoy my days, whether it's a long walk, a run, playing basketball, lifting weights, swimming in the ocean, surfing, whatever. Um, so I think, but my being being a minimalist, it's given me a lot of space to explore what fulfills me versus um, on low level uh, material stuff. Do you consider yourself a minimalist? Oh yeah, for sure. I'm kind of a, a maximal minimalist. So I, <laughs> I maximize the things I have and the opportunities I have and the people and the resources so I can leverage it. So it's like I maximize the resources I have, I guess I'd say. But yeah, I'm definitely a minimalist. I mean, I, I travel around the world out of a, two backpacks. Um, I, I, you know what I mean? I, I, I have shirts, but like I wear the things I love. So I don't care if I spend $100 on a shirt. If I love it, I'm going to rock it. I don't need to have ten, $10, or $10, $10 shirts. I'll just have $100 shirts if I love it. Because the other ones I just like because they're on sale, that's stupid. Right, for sure. I mean, I think that's a broke mentality to always think that you always have to have the best and things like that. But that's pretty cool. You have no house or anything that you own. You're just living off of the, you know, the suitcase, being a digital nomad, you know, just doing whatever you want when you want, you know. And, and you're, are you, do you have, are you in a relationship right now? Yeah, I, my partner, we, me and her have been together for like, I don't know, eight years or so. So she's integral in the business too. And it's like we, we see eye to eye as far as, you know, life philosophy and, um, it's important, like the number one important thing you can ever do in life is who you decide to partner with, like who you surround yourself with, especially an intimate partner. And it's like the number one thing, because there's so much growth for both of you. If you, if you make the right decision. Um, and so like you have, that's like the most important decision you ever make bigger than any business, bigger than, um, anything else. Right. I mean, you are the average of the five most people you hang out with the most. So you, if you add that counterpart with a person you're in a relationship with, Right that dramatically increases that frequency of who you're around the most. And also, you know, and that's something I actually say too. And some people might find it very taboo when I do say this. And I'm like, you know, relationship is like a business. And I think you should think of it that way. And I think some people are, oh, what do you, what do you mean? Like a relationship? That's kind of cold. Well, think of it this way. If you think of things more as short term as this emotional thing, you're making an emotional decision, right? You're not making a business decision. And love can incorporate a business decision. You can love your business, right, and make a business decision, but you need to think of it as a business. How is this going to help me grow? How am I going to help that other person grow? And do we have that understanding? No matter what, we're working it out and we got each other's back. That's a business perspective versus just this emotional, I love you, you love me, let's walk down the street and you know, get married, and then there's, there's, there's this big difference, and, and then there's a split. But... For you, I think this is kind of similar to what you're kind of like, you know, getting to. Would you say that's fair? Yeah, no, I definitely would. I don't know if I'd call it necessarily a, a business decision. I guess I would say it's kind of goes back to the non-attachment thing, kind of like the minimalism is like, I don't need you, but I want you. It's kind of like a business. I don't need the business, but I want the business. And when you have a need for somebody or a thing, I need to have this. I have to have them. It's going to be fucked up. 
But when you when you when you think about it, like I want I want this, I want to create this, I want to make this work. Um, then you find you find the creativity within yourself to make it work. But if you need to and it's all clingy, it's it's just a bad situation. So it's like, um, yeah, I don't like like when it comes to relation our relationships, like I don't need her, but I want her. You know what I mean? So and and that's kind of with everything in life. Like really, I don't need any of this shit, but I want it, so I make it happen. Um, but I understand like it goes back to no matter what, everything I'm always going to be okay. So as long as you have that mentality, you can kind of always just be in the moment with whoever you're with, whether it's with me and you or me and her. Like I, I can always be there because I'm not clinging to how she's going to react. Is she going to like this? Is she going to be upset about that? It's like, no, I'm me. She's her. We're two separate individuals. I, I, my analogy is always like we're just two boats in the ocean and we just decide this, to, to, to troll in the ocean together side by side. But at any moment, you can always do whatever you want. But it's like everyone wants to be tethered and tied down. It's like, no, it's a choice. Every day you have a choice to be with that person, every day. And if there's ever a day they decide or I decide I don't want to be in that, then that's that. But like, and same thing with business and same thing with everything. Maybe I love bananas, but one day I say, I don't want bananas anymore. So what? Who cares? I'm going to die. Why is it a big deal? But everyone wants to be so clean. Everyone's ever clinging to something or so adverse, so scared of something. And so if you can be kind of in the middle of not clinging and not being fearful and just kind of be in this peaceful, harmonistic, joyous place, then guess what? Everything you ever want is, is attracted to you. People just come to you because they want to be a, they want to, they want a piece of that. They want to get some of that energy. And if you live in that place, you can't lose. Yeah, man. I think you've mentioned a lot of good things, you know, just, you know, I think that this also comes back to a lot of self-awareness. I think you've had a lot of time to sit there and think about life and how you fit in. And I think that it goes right back down to that, to that circle. Again, we're 360, man. We're 360 on this. And so I see exactly what you're saying. But again, like I said, I think that's a, a very rare trait. Um, some people have it. Some people just don't. Or they might think of it a little bit, but not as deep as you just did. And I think, like, you did mention something that was, you know, that was pretty, pretty awesome. You know, you, you mentioned about, you know, people don't think about, you know, um, the, the people they hang around with the most. And I think when I was saying back earlier, as far as, like, a business decision in, in, in a way that it's, like, if you think strategically about who you're around and not just emotionally who you're around, then that is, like, to me, almost like a business decision, Right. And you have yeah, to make agree, yeah. you had to make decisions with that person, you know. And you guys are treating it in a respectful manner, like you said. You said, "Hey, look, if I don't want to be here, respectfully, you go. If she doesn't want to be here, respectfully, you go." In emotional situations that people get involved with, as far as like relationships, quote unquote, it's not like that. So this person leaves me. What happens? Most people do what? You already know. They wild out. You know exactly what goes on. So that's an emotional thing. Right. But if you took yeah. it like in, in a business perspective, you would take it as like, all right, you know, it's not a nasty breakup. This is business. We understand what's going on and we agree to this. Yeah. Right. But if you want to be a bad yeah. business partner, you you raise havoc, you start suing, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's true. No, you're right. You're right. That's a good analogy for sure. <laughs> but not Nicole. Yeah, there's a lot of little, there's a lot of bad businesses out there, too. I see. Yeah. I see them every day when we're trying to give them give them loans but, but it's okay uh, to yeah, fail no, I agree. I, it's okay to fail right yeah. when you start a business you go in it you know most likely business will fail and i think the same thing with relationships but you try to think about the pros and the cons and, and coming into it with a more pure mentality of like hey how do we aim for success how do we work together and so when i mean business in a relationship i mean it as 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 
being really respectful as, as the basic attributes that a business kind of inherits, not in a cold way of like, hey, baby, you're a business and I'm a business. Together we're a business. Not like so robotic, but more of the basic principles, right? If you instill those basic yeah. principles. I love work. I love, I'm a creator, dude. I love building shit, you know? So it, it, it has that same passion and drive. So when I'm building things, whether it's a relationship, I'm looking for that same passion and drive and respect as I would with a business. Got it. Yeah, exactly. No, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly for sure. I think you're doing that too. Yeah. I yeah. I, well, yeah, I just trust myself, man. Like it goes, it comes back to the trust. Like I trust my intuition about a person and who they are, what they want. I, I just trust my gut. Um, I don't, I don't get, I'm not a clingy, chasey, um, I'm, I'm cerebral, but I'm, I'm in the clouds. So I don't know. I'm a weirdo. I mean, I think sometimes you have to be a weirdo in order to be successful sometimes in this world, man. You know, you end up doing not, you know, you end up doing things that are unorthodox, right? Versus what typical people end up doing, thinking the same exact way. People who think differently are creators and they're the ones who make those changes, you know? And I think that's what it takes if you really want to be a maverick in this world and just make things happen. You got to make shit happen. And I think you're doing that, man. So I would say, how can, how can people, you know, find out more about your program? Yeah, so they can go, go to creatorslearn.com. Uh, the name kind of speaks for itself because, um, you know, you're going to be a creator or you're not, man. So, yeah, creatorslearn.com. They can learn all about the program. Uh, if they want to connect with me on social, I'm always on LinkedIn. And that's really it. Awesome. So what's next in your travels, Jermaine? Where's, what's next? So I think we're leaving on March 11th to go. I'm just buttoning up the final plans. I, I don't really plan more than 30 days out. So I think we're buttoned up to go to uh, Cape Town, South Africa, um, on March 11th, and then be there for a month or two or three, I don't know. And then from there, maybe Europe or maybe uh, Central, uh, South America. So I don't know. We might we'll probably be back in the States. I'm thinking Uruguay. I'm thinking Brazil. I'm thinking maybe um, uh, Colombia. Colombia's great. What about Brazil? Yeah. Where in Brazil would you go? Maybe Brazil. Go? Um, Recife, probably Rio or Rio? Okay. Uh, San Paulo. San Paulo. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I'm just kind of playing it by playing it by ear, but we'll see. And then I'll probably be back in the states, probably in November or October, somewhere around that time frame. But we'll see. Maybe I won't. Cool, man. Well, it's great having you on here, man, Jermaine. I know I've been we've been back and forth at it. I've been telling you I'm going to get you on here. I'm going to get you on here, and uh, you know you've been waiting patiently, and I appreciate it. And I think it's that creative drive that you have that's going to keep you winning. And uh, Thank you for being on the show. And you'll meet a lot of Tavares in Brazil. So enjoy that. <laughs> awesome, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks, buddy. Ladies and gentlemen. The Kids in the Room Podcast. The Kids in the Room Podcast. That's right. That's right. Brought to you by Move Faces TV. Let's, Let's go. go. Well, hey, guys. Thank you for taking the time to listen to that conversation. Woo, was fun. Definitely was a great conversation. Definitely, definitely make sure you guys subscribe to our YouTube channel. We've got the YouTube channel out. Go there, subscribe. Don't forget to tap the bell. All right, that will remind you each time the show comes on YouTube. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts, wherever we may lay. Definitely check us out. We want to keep on bringing you these great conversations. Um, definitely working on always making this experience better for everyone. That's right, everyone. Uh, work really hard to you know, up the vocals, up the talent, and every single thing. Um, yeah, but your support allows me to bring 
better and better, better, better content each time. So thank you so much for listening. Kids in the Room. Ladies and gentlemen, the Kids in the Room podcast. Kids in the Room podcast. That's right. That's right. Brought to you by Move Faces TV. If you want to build more sustainable eating habits, Noom Weight can help. Our program uses psychology to empower you with the practical knowledge and skills you need to build long-lasting habits and behaviors. Our personalized courses use scientifically proven principles like cognitive behavioral therapy to help you better understand and manage your relationship with food, one meal at a time. So, whether your goal is to feel more energized, boost your mood, or improve your stress levels, Noom can provide you with the expert guidance and tools to make it happen. Best of all, you're in charge of how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. 5, 10, or 15 minutes. How much time you want to spend on your program is up to you. We won't tell you what you can or can't eat either, because we don't believe in good or bad foods. Instead, we'll provide you the support and wisdom you need to make informed choices that fit your lifestyle and health goals. Start your trial at Noom.com habit. That's N-O-O-M dot habit.